You are listening to Sheet Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. This is Echo and Narcissus. And if you pledge to my Patreon in April, uh, 2021 that is, you'll be able to download both Dragon Circus ebooks as your rewards. In your rewards, along with lots of other rewards. Echo and Narcissus, Chapter 6, in which Finn puts on a show. Kurt could barely contain his fury. He found Brennan near one of the concession stands outside, holding a large frosted drink and mercifully free of Lenny and the rest of the goons. Kurt approached him with intent, letting Brennan see him a few seconds before he reached him and grabbed his hand to walk a little way away from the crowd where you could be sure there was no one listening on the other side of a length of canvas. What's going on? Brennan asked. Did you speak to Magellan? She's not here. Exactly how deep are you in Grayson's pocket? What the hell is that supposed to mean? Kurt let the anger show on his face. From the second you disappeared from the hospital, you have been fully compliant with everything that dragon-skinning asshole asked of you. So how much of tonight is fake? And how much of it is you signing up with a new employer? Brennan remained calm, keeping his irritation in check. You know who I work for. Do I? I'm not the one who has anything to prove here, Kurt. I don't answer to you. Oh, pulling the boss act. Very nice. Are you saying I haven't proven myself? You still don't trust me? Kurt's hands clenched into fists. I have things to take care of, Brennan snapped. I'm handling it. If you just... We don't have a lot of time to figure out how to get everyone away from here. You're handling it, Kurt snarled. Like you handled the babies? What's happened to the babies? Kurt shoved him. Brennan turned cold. His eyebrows drew together and he stood very still. You get one of those, Frostad. No more. What the fuck are you talking about? At some point today, Kurt said tightly between his teeth, Grayson's men walked into our old campsite and walked out with five baby dragons. They didn't just have your permission. According to Finn, you were there on the ground making this happen. She gave them into your personal custody for safekeeping. Explain that, gaffer. He saw the moment. The reaction before Brennan covered it up. A flash of shock, at least. But shock about what? The loss of the babies? Or that Kurt had figured it out so soon? A bell clanged. The end of intermission. The crowd stocked up on hot dogs and popcorn and spun sugar in pastel pink clouds began to stream back into the tent. They'll be looking for us, said Brennan, turning towards the big top. Screw them. I deserve an answer. I can't give you one yet. Have I ever lied to you, Kurt? I don't know, Kurt said. I'm pretty sure you're good at hiding it if you have. The kissing, the suits. Had it all been one massive distraction to keep Kurt away from the real betrayal? Give me one more act, said Brennan, looking genuinely desperate. Let me process this. 
I'll give you all the answers you need and a plan. I just... Give me that. Kurt relented. The fury still bubbled up in him, but he wasn't sure. The idea of not trusting the gaffer was so alien to him. How much of a sucker was he? If those babies end up as five matching boots in that dickhead's wardrobe, Brennan, that's us done. You know that. Me, Inga, the whole fucking circus. We'll be coming for your skin next. Brennan nodded, as if that was exactly what he would expect. And then the two of them silently went into the big top together. Because that was what this situation needed. More circus. They met Lenny and the others back at the seats and squashed into them sullenly. Kurt ended up on the far side of Lenny and wasn't sure if Brennan had done that deliberately to make it harder for them to whisper to each other. Not that Kurt had anything further to say to him. The show began. There was a wild chaos to the Salt Circus acts, which set Kurt's teeth on edge. The aerialists worked with the same precision he expected after watching so many rehearsals of Inga with her Birds of Paradise. But they all seemed to be in their own world, without worrying what else was happening on stage. You didn't know where to look. Sometimes there were as many as five or six different acts happening simultaneously, weaving in and out from each other. It was like staring into a fish tank, though a fish tank that was working far harder to entertain than most fish tanks. And the singing! So much singing. That couldn't be improvised, not with all the split-second timing and lyrical choruses. He didn't like it. He especially didn't like his people being there in the middle of it all. No rehearsal time, Finn had said. Well, of course not. They couldn't have been here more than a few hours. That was barely enough time to figure out where the mess tent was and which privy trench to avoid. But here they were, his people, on display like fish in a bowl. And there was no way he could protect all of them if something happened. Some of them had even joined in on the singing. How would they learn the words so quickly? Inga fell from the ceiling, in freefall, until she swung, silk wings fluttering behind her, into the darkness again. When she returned, hanging by her knees, there was a dragon flying beneath her, his own bright bronze wings spread out, as if he was the only net. Hot, remarked Lenny. But still no sea monster. There's not going to be a sea monster, argued the henchman on Kurt's other side, and they started squabbling together about how much of the show was fake. Dragons blurred into clowns, blurred into fish-faced tumblers, blurred into more aerialists, some of them on trapeze, some sliding up and down lengths of silk. Acrobats tumbled through the air. A sister act of clowns wearing crab claws on their hands did a comedy routine. A conjurer calling himself Lamprey Conga made a school of seahorses disappear into the swells of his cape while singing, of course. It was exhausting and boring all at the same time because Kurt cared about none of it except that their people were scattered 
and somehow incapable of staying where they were put. The stage cleared, leaving nothing but darkness and a single spotlight. A slender girl in spangles stepped out onto a wire, her arms outstretched. Paper fish hung in ribbons from her fingers, streaming out in wide circles, dancing on the air. Her feet were hesitant. Kurt knew this trick. There were always a few performers who played up the difficulty of what they were doing. Audiences loved smooth expertise, but if there was too much of it, they took it for granted. Every now and then you sent out a kid to remind them all that what happened in the ring was extraordinarily dangerous. In the same instant, he realised that it was Finn on that wire. He'd rarely seen her perform without the dragons, but here she was, impossibly high, walking with shaky feet on a silver thread of nothing. Sixteen years old. Well, that took his mind off what Brennan was going to tell him at the end of this act. Speaking of Brennan, he had been sitting motionless on the other side of Lenny, lost in his own thoughts as the show played out before them. Now, though, he leaned in, eyes fixed to Finn. Brennan had been in the Dragon Circus far longer than Kurt. He must have watched Finley Faraday grow up. He knew exactly of what she was capable. It was not comforting in the least that he bit his lip, eyes on her shaky feet. She's nervous, he murmured. Smoke and mirrors, Kurt shot back. I don't think so. The singing had stopped. As Finn made her unsteady way to the centre of the wire, high above the stage, the massive, sprawling audience held their collective breath. She outstretched her arms, the ribbons fluttering out with those paper fish on them, spinning and spinning. There was a swish of movement, and a Piero swung out on a wild trapeze. Kurt knew him instantly, though the costume was unfamiliar. It was Cato. He swung directly in Finn's path, snatching one of the paper fish from her, and disappeared into the darkness. The audience relaxed and laughed, now they knew what trick to look for. Next came Cicero, wearing some kind of diver's helmet and a saggy suit. He swung out from another direction, coming from behind Finn. This time her fingers didn't quite release the ribbon fast enough, and the swish of him taking the fish pushed her a little off balance. She took a step and then another to steady herself. The applause rose from beneath her, dangerously distracting, but less ominous than the silence. It was almost, but not quite enough, to make Kurt wish that the singing would start again. Inga came next, spinning on a length of silk, and then unspinning in wild, uncontrolled circles. Kurt held his breath. If they collided, then... At least Finn could grab onto the silk and save herself, but, of course, they did not collide. Unrehearsed. How were they willing to risk this? How was it working so well? How could it go so horribly wrong? Inga took off into the darkness. A fish and ribbon captured safely. Finn took another step. 
Brennan elbowed Lenny and swapped places with him. The henchman agreed easily enough, his attention on the show and his popcorn. Brennan turned his mouth into Kurt's ear. I know this trick, he breathed. They've practised it. I guessed, Kurt said quietly. The birds of paradise wouldn't include Finn like this, not in the chaos of the salt circus without a great deal of confidence. Surely that was why this trick was being done like this, without the distraction of other acts. But even if they'd practised it elsewhere, they hadn't practised it here, in this big top. There were five paper fish in all. Kurt wondered if the trick was originally designed for the baby dragons, once Finn and Puck were ready to let them into the ring, and that reminded him all over again what he was angry about. This was a colossal waste of time. Puck emerged from low on the stage, riding Big Blue, wearing a costume that matched her colours. They arrowed upwards, and Blue drew her wings in as they neared Finn, so she wouldn't push the girl over. Blue captured the second last paper fish in her mouth, and kept flying up, somersaulting backwards in the air. Finn whirled around as Blue flew past her. She stepped sideways on the wire, both feet flat and steady, only a little tremor. One last paper fish dangled from her hand, from a violet ribbon. Kurt wasn't sure what he was expecting as the finale, but Finn had the entire audience in the palm of her hand, watching and waiting. Lengths of blue silk poured out from the ceiling of the big top, and the silk dancers slid down past Finn. Several more aerialists swung out from the sides, rippling the silks. Once more they were creating an underwater effect. Finn stood very still, higher up than the rest of them, that single paper fish dangling from the ribbon in her hand. Surely she wasn't going to dive. She wasn't an aerialist. She was a dragon handler. And there were no dragons in sight. No birds of paradise either. What was Inga up to? Why wasn't she sticking close to Finn if something incredibly dangerous was indeed about to happen? On the ground level, clowns in fish head masks ran out with more lengths of blue silk, which they held between them rippling and swishing. An ocean of silk and performers all laid out beneath Finn. So much silk, so many layers, it all swished together in a mass, concealing... Kurt leaned forward slightly. Was that a trapdoor in the centre of the stage? You could barely see the outline from here, but he knew what to look for. Mist and smoke poured out from under the seats building up in billows between the layers of silk. Something was about to happen, something that they needed the audience to not see too closely. Brennan's hand moved against Kurt's. For a brief moment, only a few seconds, they gripped each other and then let go. A shape rose up from the centre of the stage, huge, leviathan, Roaring and snorting, not a dragon, 
bigger than any dragon that Kurt had ever seen. A long neck extending, giant green eyes glowing. It was a fucking sea monster. They had one here after all. The bloody salt circus. The creature rose higher and higher, impossibly huge. Its mouth fell open, rising, rising, heading straight for Finn. That tiny girl on the very thin tightrope wire. Kurt pushed his feet against the ground, as if he could launch himself at her. Stop this. Something firm pressed on his thigh. Brennan's hand again, steadying him. Trust her, Brennan murmured, eyes on the stage. Trust isn't the answer to everything, Kurt hissed back. In our world, it is. The sea monster, all gleaming scales and fierce eyes, unhinged its jaw as it reached the wire. A giant mouth hung open and then snapped closed. The two halves of the broken wire fell away into the air. Finn was gone. Lenny and his team applauded with an enthusiasm that made Kurt want to murder them. The lights went out, all of them. Applause rose in the tent, then fell away, then grew awkward. The lights stayed off long enough that it felt like an error, a moment of mistiming. It was too soon for another intermission, surely. When the lights came up again, the sea monster was gone. The stage filled up again with new acts, clowns and trapeze artists, shimmering with purple glitter and turquoise silk. Singing, obviously. Kurt was alone in his row. Brennan was gone. And so was Lenny and the rest of the henchmen. Vanished as if they'd never been there. Except for the half-finished carton of spilled popcorn in Lenny's seat. He had been played. Thank you for listening to Sheep Might Fly. Uh, you can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at Tansy RR Books. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge, including this month the original uh, Kurt and Inga and Brennan story, uh, Death at the Dragon Circus, and coming very soon, the ebook of Echo and Narcissus. See you next week.